0: Why don't we do it in the road Why don't we do it in the
1: road Just Tell me I love you, baby Tell me I love you, baby All oh, this boogie on down, y'all
2: Strawberry
3: Boogie Only fine boogie know. Welcome to the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast A southern story of bold, liberating rock Shot through with blues, soul, and gospel and now, your hosts for the show, Brian Jones and Jason Johannes.
4: Welcome to another episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock podcast. With me always is Jason, and uh, what's going on today? What is up? Uh,
3: TGIW. Thank God it's Wednesday. How you doing? I'm
4: good. I'm good. Um, so it looks like, or I should say, some...
3: TGIF, because this yeah. comes out on Friday,
4: right? Yeah. <laughs> So what's going on? What's up? I just, I just like looking on our page and seeing that you know, Jack's Hollow has, is it the whole record or just the single that's coming this
3: out? This first single comes out at midnight. At so midnight, by the time you're tonight. listening to this, the single will be out.
4: Okay, cool. Um,
3: what about The Cold Stairs? Uh, so I saw The Cold Stairs. This last right, weekend yeah, in yeah. Toledo, it was awesome. So I've seen them both as a two-piece and a three-piece. I like them better as a three-piece. Uh, uh, Bryce brings a lot to the live performance with the bass lines. And then Chris is able to do some, some solos and some jamming. And it was really, dude, they are really, really tight. That's a tight band. Cool, cool. And I got a present for you. I got to mail it.
4: Oh, cool. Vinyl.
3: It is an autographed vinyl of the new record that's not even available yet.
4: Okay, that's what I was going to ask you about. I knew they had
3: something coming soon. Uh, In March. I don't remember the exact date. It's coming out in March, but um, I got to get this bad boy in the mail to you. A nice signed Cold Stairs Voices record with 15 15 tracks, Brian. 15. That's awesome.
4: Yep. Speaking of March, that's when uh, uh, Mojo Thunder is going over to Europe, from almost like the whole month of March. And then we just did, saw today, Jane Lee Hooker going over June into July. Some Europe. of
3: our favorites are hitting the European circuit. We know they're big over there. What else and we this, got? This Friday? I'm going to see another one of our guests. I'm going to see GA-20 in Columbus, Ohio at the Woodlands Tavern. Wow, cool. Very cool. See if I can catch up with Matt. I've been I've been chatting with him. I'm going to yeah. try to say hey to those guys and maybe get a picture or something. Okay,
4: cool. Uh, Cheros are playing at Rose Music Hall in Columbia, Missouri.
3: Friday. I got my dad liking the comment comment us Brian. I, I sent him some links. He goes, it reminds him a little bit of the nitty-gritty dirt band, and he digs those guys. Oh
4: wow, cool. Yeah, that's that's Friday, March 31st. Um this Friday, Lizzie and the makers at Sonny's Bar in uh Brooklyn.
3: And then the voices of uh, the Cold Stairs record comes out on March 10th. Okay. March 10th. I'm telling you, Brian. That is a great live band. If somehow, some way they ever make it out your way, you got to see them. They are, it's very Zeppelin-y, right? We get the nice guitar riffs and the breakdown. I man, I was super impressed. The three piece yeah. is the way to go.
4: Yeah, I'm really going to start taking a closer eye on Minneapolis. I know, you know, so far I know Steepwater and Junkyard play there fairly commonly. Yes. A couple, two, yeah. three times a year. So, I know Two Steepwater.
3: good bands to see for sure.
4: Yeah. Um Erin Coburn did another live Facebook live thing today so she's always active and, and doing all that kind of stuff so
3: that's cool Um let's get into our guest yeah how did you find this guest Brian that's what I want to know
4: I'm trying to remember that and I'm not real sure it, okay. you know it's, it's always like after a certain amount of time goes by I can't really remember how I found someone or if they found me or <laughs> he messaged me wow. or I messaged him but I hadn't heard of him and then we find out he's got all this uh, history and, you know, he's got, you know, Dan Aykroyd talking about him um, on this intro, like the uh, trailer for this uh, Stormy Blue documentary that he hopes to get out in the future.
3: Yeah, guys had a long career. Uh, he's out of Terre Haute, Indiana, the hotbed of blues music. But he is a character, man. He is a character. He's a, a great bluesman, and I've been trying to st- dip my toes in the water of more of his uh, his catalog. Yeah,
4: and friend of uh, friend of Greg Martin as well. As you guess what Who means. isn't a
3: friend of Greg Martin? He's everybody like does. you know he's he's friends with everybody. He's a good dude. <laughs> For sure.
4: Yeah. Man, I was thinking it would be great to do, like, a guitarist special, and I I, I was thinking, like, how could we do it so, you, you know, all three participants would know, but how about, like, Greg Martin, Charlie Starr,
3: and Andy Aildort? Oh, my God. That would be amazing. I think if you get Greg and Andy <laughs> together, who obviously, who know each other and are friends, I think you're, it's a home run, because you don't even have to talk.
4: <laughs> yeah, that crosses my mind for the future.
3: i just, i would put my microphone on mute and let them go. For sure
4: well uh we're gonna put ourselves on mute and you guys are gonna listen to our conversation with blues man ken tucker We're here at the guest segment of the podcast. Oh, James, you can tell the you
3: guys and listeners me. who we have with us today? Absolutely, it's always my pleasure to introduce our guest. Uh, it's my neighbor in my neighboring state of Indiana. We've got blues musician Ken Tucker from Terre Haute, Indiana. How are you doing, Ken?
5: I'm doing great. How are you?
3: We're good. We're good. We're good. Yeah, happy to be talking to you.
5: Can you hear me okay?
3: Yeah. Yeah. How's everything in Terra Haute? Sound great. Cool. Terra Hout? Haute? Terra Haute.
4: How's everything in Terra Haute?
3: Uh well, foggy, damp,
4: <laughs> uh, mild temperature-wise, not too bad. Right on. Well, uh, let's just jump right into this. Um, we just usually start whenever we have a new guest, we just start with like, you tell us how you how you got into uh Playing music, playing guitar, and all that led into blues and and yeah. uh, leading your own bands.
5: Well, I was, um, I was. Well, I'll I'll go back, try to try to qualify this, in the the least amount of words.
3: <laughs> we but, want more words. This is a podcast. They want to hear. You, well, yeah, but I,
5: yeah. I was when I was going to school. I was a school fat kid. I was bullied all the time, and uh, I hated school. I hated. And I felt like a reject. I was a nerd. Um, And I'm an artist, too, so I was was a school artist. But uh, I never played sports. Didn't want to play sports. I didn't want to party. And uh, my mother was a musician. My father is a musician sometimes. And we also had a piano at the house. So I started dinking around the piano and learning chords and just to occupy time. And I and my dad had a whole mess of records, and one of those big old um, console record players, you know, one that weighs as much as a Sherman tank. It's furniture,
2: not just yeah, a it's, player, it's, it's, furniture.
5: Furniture. it's furniture with a speaker
3: and a and a turntable <laughs> with extraordinarily heavy needle. Was there a TV built into that too, or is it just the record player?
5: Sadly, no. It was nah. just a record player. But he had all kinds of records from the fifties to the seventies. And this is, I'm talking 1970s when I was doing this. Mm-hmm. And I had access to all those albums like Buddy Holly, the Everly Brothers, Elvis, Johnny Cash, Merle Haggard, uh, uh, John Denver, uh, Marty Robbins, um, even stuff like Freddie and the Dreamers, even though I listened to that once and I was like, nah, no more. Um, but um, my brother and I shared a bedroom. And he's he's a year and a half older than I am. And um, he had a bunch of older friends because neither one of us hung out with our own age group. Neither one of us, you know, we just didn't feel like we belonged. And so they almost brought over like their Jimi Hendrix albums and Eric Clapton, Dave Mason, uh, Canned Heat, of course, the Grateful Dead, Neil Young. Um, all I said, and I, I'm a Beatles fanatic. But um, I decided at one point that um, I have a friend named Pat Dyser, we were in Boy Scouts together with another guy named Brian Crasher. And we would to Brian, and Pat would always bring his acoustic guitar to scout camp, and he let me bang around on it. You know, we were best friends, I and mean, as long as, you know, just don't tear it up, you know, but I didn't know anything. And so one day we went to Brian's house, and he had a couple electric guitars on his bed. And I said, could I borrow one of those, Brian? You know, it's a and he said, sure. And he gave me the one that didn't work.
2: <laughs>
5: it just had strings on it. But you know, I didn't care. I had something that I had that had strings and threads. And so over time, you know, I, I finally gave it back to him when I got another guitar. And um, I decided at one point, when I, was about, you know, I, 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 I got that guitar from Brian, it was like 12, 13, I think 12 when I got it. And when I was about 14, I decided, you know, I really want to do this, I better learn how to play for real. So I got a, a song book. It is Eagles Complete Songbook because my brother had a couple of Eagles albums. I knew most of her songs anyway. Mm-hmm. And they had chord charts above the lyrics to show you how to play the chords, you know, where to put your fingers and stuff. Yep. And so I do is memorize one line at a time till I got it to where I didn't have to look at it and make any mistakes. Then I go the next line and play the first and second line with, till I did with mistakes until I could do the whole song without looking and without making a mistake. And of course that's a long way around. I didn't, uh, but I finally started memorizing the names of the chords and the shapes of the chords. And you know, the more you learn, the more you start learning other stuff. And I have a, uh, I have a, tr- a guitar mentor. He's still down in my hometown of Sullivan, Indiana. His name's Tracy Garcia. And he's one of the few people who I could go by his house and knock on his door and he never turned me away. I had my guitar and my cheesy amp in my hand. And he had his 71 Strat and his set 1970 Fender Super Amp sitting up there with, him. and it was like walking into, a, walking into a, like a playground, you know, and he was the guitar hero, I and mean, the guy is still, I would be like, still everything. Well, Tracy, I feel uh, absolutely comfortable putting him on stage with Joe Walsh and Eric Clapton and not having to worry about him. He would stand, he'd just keep right up with him. But um, he uh, he let me jam with him. He didn't really, know theory, he just knew how to play. He'd show me what to do, and I had to go kind of work it out at home, you know, figure it mm-hmm. out. He'd show me, okay, here's what. Here's what I did. And um, then I learned how, you know, I basically just finally figured out the patterns of everything, like patterns of scales, patterns of chords, and, and learned that there's a series of patterns that are repeatable up and down the neck. And I decided, you know, I learned how I learned all the notes, string up and down the neck all the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just I started learning learn the mechanics of the fretboard. And then one day I I was about 14 or 15, and I came back from a friend's house. I spent a weekend and this got uh, the Van Halen, the first Van Halen album came out.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: And of course, everybody's going crazy about Eddie's crazy playing, right? And so I went to, I started, you know, I started doing this kind of thing, you know, and he put <laughs> his hands on like this. He put his hands on mine and said, Stop <laughs> Stop that. And he goes, Fast is here and gone, dude, but so will last forever, man. And so, what you're doing there is musical masturbation. And if you want to play, lead, if you want to play really good lead, you know, uh, go and listen to old soul singers sing the, and copy their full line on your guitar because you're singing in the scale, just like you're trying to play in the scale. And he said, a real guitar player plays for the song, not the other around. And so i I will hold true. The home those lessons very close to my heart. You know, I, I think it's extraordinarily powerful and true that, you know, there's a lot of guitar players, famous ones included, that write songs just to just to play crazy leads over and show off. And uh, but great songs and you know George Harrison is one of the greatest players that ever lived. And they listen to his, especially his slide work. Mm-hmm. It's very subtle, very tasteful, very technical, but very powerful. I mean, and when it played in the Beatles, the Beatles, trying to play some of those George Harrison Lee, holy moly, even when he was a teenager, the kid, when he was a kid, he was actually, a, he was a phenom and it's it, so playing fast. And what Tracy told me, playing fast not, is, is, is nothing more than just an in futility. Um, because if you're truly playing, your guitar is an extension of your voice. It's an extension of everything. It's actually a voice in and of itself. And so treat it like a voice. But to where I got into blues, here's, here's the fun part. I, I'm a middle child. My brother's older and my sister's younger. So my brother got to do all kinds of stuff I didn't get to do. And my sister pretty much got away with everything.
2: You know, she did could...
5: <laughs> Baby and sister, kind of, of course. Yeah. And so I was kind of left out in the lurch, I always felt like so. I just I was almost kind of sequestering my or cloistering off into my bedroom and getting my guitar. And just every now and then my dad would come in and say, dude, turn that crap down. know?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
5: Can you play one whole song? Just one song. But um, my dad felt like there's a time, he said, look, I just want me and you to go do something. Me and you, not just us. So we lived in Sullivan, that's about five miles south of here. And this was the big town when I was growing up. So he goes, let's go to Terre Haute. There's a demolition derby or a Blues Brothers movie just came out, which do you want to do. I said, well, I don't like demolition derbies. Let's go to a Blues Brothers movie. He goes, great, because I hate demolition derby suit. Let's go.
2: <laughs> so
5: he went to, to McDonald's and we went to see the Brothers. And from that moment on, I was hooked on blues. I never really heard real blues before. I heard blues like music. Mm-hmm. But as soon as, you know, you hear Cab Calloway, or you hear uh, John Lee Hooker, or mm-hmm. uh, Peter Brown, or Reverend Cleovis James. Aretha Franklin saying you better yeah. think
3: yep and in the diner course, that's a great uh, scene
2: yeah
5: and Ray Charles playing that Van der piano and um I mean and uh but many of the moocher and uh, but I still do she called the Katie in my sets. when I first heard the first I heard she called the Katie the first few yeah first few minutes uh, uh, movie here come on and I think this is the coolest song ever and and after I you know after I heard that and then all that's it through this movie I'm thinking this is what I want to do this is it of course I didn't tell dad you know it's like come on you know I thought, hey man is a great hobby. come on you don't be a blues man but I didn't tell him I I kept going in the direction he want to go and I don't run. He's a dad. He's going to do things the best for you. But uh, I've made it my mission to be the best blues player I could possibly be. I mean, I didn't. I I, I looked at. I didn't want to compete with anybody but myself.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: I just want to be better than I was the day before. Because I think competing with other musicians is honestly a waste of time and a counterproductive. Your only competition is yourself. But then the rest, you know, kind of. I was working in the world, and I didn't have any girlfriends till college, and I didn't really do much, and I barely graduated high school because I didn't really give a crap. And I went to college, and I got a degree in art education, that I never used. I used a little. I used long enough to know I didn't be a teacher. Um, I still paint. Don't get me wrong. I love, I love art. I just don't want to be a teacher. Um, but I spent most of my college time hanging out with the music kids. I didn't go to anything. I mean, I went to my classes because I had to. But during the breaks, I go down to the music lounge and hang out with the music kids. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, I met my best, one of my best friends, Virgil Franklin. I met him there. And we've been playing in bands off and on since. And that's been over, that's been about 40 years, you know, or yeah, about 40 years. So. In fact, I want to record with Virgil. Virgil's the head of uh, audio production at Vincent's University, and I'm going to record uh, my album there. He invited me to record my album in front of his class. Oh, so wow. I'm recording my next
3: album with Virgil. So like a live album in front of an audience?
5: In front of a college student.
3: yeah. Yeah,
5: interesting. Yep. But so. So that's really the, the nuts and bolts. I mean... After after a few years, and I I, I started getting noticed when I got signed to some small record labels, started getting on some charts, and then I was on Dan Aykroyd's show in mm-hmm. 2007. I was featured on. I didn't know it was on until the next day, yeah. uh, but um, I finally got a a uh, a um, archive of that audio, and I played for I played for like Norman for like three or four years. And that was one of the most incredible experiences anyone could imagine. I mean, unbelievable. Just one of the most amazing musical experiences you could have. And uh, toured a lot with him. Recorded two albums with him. And I played on stage with Sean Mullins, Daryl Mansfield, Lindsay L. Um, Opened for Ashley Cleveland. Opened for Andy Stonehill. Opened for... I people. We came, and I became friends with a lot of people. I was on. Uh, I, I've been on. I was on stage a couple of times with Harvey Jet, and Harvey just passed away like months ago. He was the original guitar player for Black Oak, Arkansas.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: And then I I became in fact he was my son's godfather, and wow. uh, I did a lot of I did a lot of play, playing playing uh, on stage with Harvey. And uh, of course, Greg Martin, buddy of mine, and loved Greg to pieces. And Son Eric is one of my heroes. I love Eric. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, I've uh, being in the music business. You know, when I played at Chess Records, uh, I played for a an event, and I had Lee Dixon's rhythm set behind me. Wow! wow. You talk about being like in a surreal having Willie Dixon's drummer, bass player, and uh someone else is his his rhythm section behind me. that was crazy the great guys the in their 80s they can still outplay
3: about anybody though does that push you to be better or does that make you like really self-conscious and nervous
5: there it's everything pushes me to be better the fact that i don't think i'm good enough now pushes me to be better i'll never be where i want to be and uh that's. I think that's just the way it is. I mean, um, I'm never satisfied. There's like when I'm recording, I got to just say, okay, I've done enough because if I do, the more I go, the more I know I'm going. There's more. I, I'm. I can't do everything I want to do. Just can't. Uh, but I just. I just think that uh, I have to push myself, and it's in. There's intimidation, of course especially when you're on stage with your like people you considered your heroes. You know, mm-hmm. these guys, I, I listened to the albums. I was listening to Willie Dixon albums when I was in high school and in college. And these guys were on those albums and here I am playing on stage with them. So yeah, there's some intimidation there. Cause you think, well, these guys think I'm horrible. Thankfully they thought I was all right. You know, they wanted me to move to Chicago so I could play with them regular, but I don't want to live in Chicago. Um, I don't mind driving there once in a while, but I don't want to there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I just it, there's a matter of uh, just understanding your limitation and being willing to admit that you're never good enough. You'll never be good enough because there's always something you can do. But there's a point where to just accept the fact that you, you can't do it all, be willing to grow, be willing to learn, but and and never give up, of course. But you can't beat yourself up over not being because you can always compare yourself to somebody else, you know, compare yourself to whoever. And oh, I wish I could play like this guy, I wish I could play like that guy. Play like yourself. Right. You, know, it, it, you have an identity. If you're trying to play like somebody, then you're kind of losing your identity and the person you're trying to copy. Right. So, uh, I'm, gonna, there's inspiration, but I know guys is like a, I know guys around that I've met over the years that try to copy Steve Von makes note for note. And was it Jimmy Vaughn said one time? He thought it's funny that guys try to copy Steve Ray Vaughn, Stevie Solos is note for note. He goes, he, Stevie didn't play the same thing one time. <laughs> that's one. right,
4: right.
3: <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned,
4: uh, you mentioned earlier, Dan Aykroyd. I, I did I heard that the uh, you know on the trailer for stormy blue uh, yeah so what what is that project something that's still waiting in the wings or we're trying to get funding for
5: uh we're trying to get advertisement and production funding and it's kind of slow going right now because of the economy of course yeah but uh we're still we're still working on it, it just we're right now we're just trying to raise funds and our first goal I was 10,000 and after that, it's quite more.
4: You mentioned that was in 2007 when he did that. That's when you cut your first record. You no, no, that was,
5: like, that was like four or um, that was I had nothing to do that other than an album. And I also, I, I won the music with my hand. I have I have band that played at King Biscuit with me. It's, Jeff Archer, Ron Christensen, Mike Birdsong, Josh Hammond, and myself played 2006 uh, Biscuit Blues Festival. We were playing the Emerging Arts. Uh, and I didn't even know we were in a competition, but we ended up winning the Emerging Arts Award for Musac Corporation, which, you know, basically we won $1,000 in two years on two of Muzak's. Uh, stations in regular rotation, which is cool. But then this year, you know, I just been with this uh, record company for a couple of years. And then I was on a tour in Minnesota uh, about a year later, actually. And I got an email from my record company president saying that we just, I have got the Blues Breaker artists of the week on Ack Radio Show. And I thought he was like messing with me. So I kind of sent him a, Dude, don't be messing with me late, man. So, <laughs> no, serious. so I looked it up, and this was this morning. The show played while I was on stage, so I had no idea, you know, and I didn't know about it until I got the email the next morning. And then I just Google searched it, and there it was. And so, uh, after I searched for a few years fruitlessly to find an archive, finally broke down an email. House Blues Radio Hour and told them who I was and they sent me an archive, like in five minutes. So thought, well, that was a... Should have thought of that before, you know, but I didn't. <laughs> but, uh so, I but yeah, I was, I, I was, it's just one of those things that you never, and that's what dad was like, you know, it's funny that you get into blues music because of the Blues Brothers and there's one of the Blues Brothers playing your song. So it came full circle. Right.
4: So... Let's uh, can we talk about your last couple of records that you've done? You got yeah, when Naked Twenty Twenty One is more acoustic, and uh, the one before that, Come On Over in Twenty Nineteen is more of a rocker.
5: Yeah, well, yeah, Come On Over. I had originally recorded that for a now defunct record company that I was with, and um, I saw them. A, I mean, they knew, they knew that they were just. They told me, you know, they're. And weren't making anything so I had to find another record company I'm in Croatia called Count Zero Records and they agreed to uh, put it out for me and it was typical uh, just one of my typical albums that I was produced. now Tim Bichon produced it I either use Tim Bichon or Virgil Franklin for production. Sometimes I use John Russell. John's a good user, he's real local. Uh, and if I'm going to John Russell's, how Friday it's recording. Uh, but yeah, you know, so I use John Russell, Virgil Franklin, or Tim Bichon, but Tim produced this one. And I like going to Tim, I like going to all of them. Tim is like, let's get in there and get it done. And let's get it done, right, let's get it done good. And uh, Tim has a way of capturing just great big guitar sounds, and um, he is very. I like Tim at all. The thing I like about him is he's very, very, very particular. And uh, the thing about is we don't get into like um, it's almost like um, we have mind, Virgil, I think, and like we can almost reach read each other's minds. And Virgil has a way of capturing a moment and just making it feel like right there, you know. And him has a a, a very particular, very precise, and he won't let me get away with slop. (laughs) Not that Virgil does, but I think Virgil's a little bit more forgiving. (laughs) And John's kind of a mixture of both. John's kind of a mixture of both, you know. And, uh, yeah, so come on over is... those albums I just I wrote the songs and I was talking to Tim on the phone and he said hey man once you come up again we'll make an album and so I said so it's a five hour drive yeah sure I would love to and I I went to his house and we made an album in two days and we just we hammered it out and it it was a great album I love the album And and it's like I said it's got a lot of Old school uh, Chicago type blues on it, you know, the uh, '60s and '70s, Chess and Chicago and like the alligator feel, you know, stuff like that.
4: So, what about the latest one? Latest record, Naked.
5: That that's a, uh, a funny story because it didn't. I didn't start out to record an album. But what happened was I was talking to my uh, new record label, and he wanted me to get. Blue Yeti microphone, hmm. because he he thinks he thought my microphone I was using wasn't good enough, and he's probably right. He said I'd like you to get a Blue Yeti. Okay, well, and at the mo at the time I couldn't afford one uh, because I'd just been in a fatal car crash, and uh, I was really uh, having a hard time getting around, so I couldn't play gigs.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: But I was, I, you know, I called my brother, who is a Steve. He lives in Everett, Washington, and I told him George wants me to get a Blue Yeti mic, but I can't afford one. He goes, "Hey man, don't want to get you one." So he got me a Blue Yeti mic, mailed it, got brother's cool that way.
2: Yeah.
5: And I hooked it up, and I said, "Let me see how it sounds." So I just set it up and put it in my Audacity Well, I have Audacity. I hooked yep. it up to Audacity and I just played my acoustic straight in the back and, bang. and played it back and said, oh my gosh, this sounds amazing.
2: <laughs>
5: I mean, like every nuance was captured. So I said, I think I'll record another song. And I recorded way, I'll just make a whole album. So I recorded all those songs in like two days just because I wow. was sitting and just step well I'll show you here's the mic right oh
3: yeah blue it's blue no wait yeah. that's
5: the that's blue yeti yeah quarter that whole album with that nice <laughs> and I didn't do any overdubs I don't I call it naked because it's just me and my guitar mm-hmm. that's it and no overdubs, no fancy, no filters, no effects, just me and my guitar.
4: Right
5: on. Like I'm plowed on the street.
4: <laughs> so what's up What's up next for you? You, you're, you said you might be cutting another record? Or what, I definitely
5: I'm you know. cutting a new album. Okay. Back with my old drummer, Jim Alonso. Uh Jimbo is a great drummer. He's nuttier than Squirrel Turds. <laughs> <laughs>
4: wow, never heard that one before.
5: But, <laughs> he, You've not great heard drummer. that before?
4: No. <laughs> Maybe and that's a Midwest
5: everybody.
3: thing, Brian. I Maybe mean, yeah. that's like an Ohio yeah, Indiana is. thing.
5: And then I got Jim
3: Wooten on bass.
5: He's an old lady of mine from here. He's a local musician. He's he's one of those really good old uh road bass players. You guys can play solid bass. Nothing doesn't do slap and pop or fancy. he's just plays solid bass. Just I want that bottom end going, keep the groove on with the drummer um and those guys are playing for me and uh, i'm scheduling shows uh regionally yeah we're looking at maybe indianapolis and maybe going into uh louisville and cincinnati and oh godly st louis local stuff but uh I'm not. I'm really looking to go out on the road like I was before. And I got old after about 25 years of being gone six days a week.
4: Yeah. yeah. So before we got rolling, you were telling us a story. Well, you know we have a mutual friend in Greg Martin. You mentioned him. You talked about how you met him and and being friends with him throughout the years.
5: I met him through Daryl Mansfield. Year I was on a short one week tour with Daryl Mansfield, and Daryl were. We're, we're, friends still are. I think Daryl's, uh, last I heard Daryl's Dement has, he He's not doing very well. So I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, but I met him through Daryl and, um, uh, we just hit it off, man. I, I invited Greg up to, uh, uh a little workshop for some of my students when I was doing MRs and he and came up and did a little workshop for me for some of my local students and songwriting students and had a good time. And he had me on his radio show. Mm-hmm. Um, I went down, he took me out to the uh, barbecue and interviewed me in the song. Nice. And um, then every, like I said, we go, I, when I go uh, down South, sometimes, you know, I, if I do an East coast tour, I have an old, old bass player who lives in, in Atlanta area. And sometimes when I go on East coast, John, so I'll stop over to his place. And I always stop, if Greg's not on tour, if he's around, I'll give him a call and we'll meet up at like a Hardee's in Bowling Green somewhere and mm-hmm. have a milkshake and talk guitars, you know?
2: Nice.
5: But I talked to Greg about, uh, I miss him about once, a month. we messes back and forth frequently. Cool.
4: Right. He's a sweetheart of a
5: guy and a great yes. guitar player.
4: Yeah. Absolutely. Both. Tears it up on the slide. So Jason, you have some guitar talk or are we getting close to a lightning round with guitar I talking? do. So,
3: so Ken, before we kind of got rolling here, you're telling us you've got a couple of new sponsorships, uh, a slide company and a guitar company. You want to tell us about those?
5: Yeah, I'm, uh, I've i been endorsing Rocky Mountain Slide the last couple of years. They're out of Colorado. Um, and that's RockyMountainSlides.com. I, and uh, actually, Doc Sigmire, the guy who runs it, he, uh, he helped me develop the blue slide, and right now it's in the front room, <laughs> not here. Is
3: but that a brass actually, slide, a glass slide? No, what these kind are, of slide is here's it? One,
5: here's one of them. They're oh, earthenware, yeah. they're earthenware. And what he'll do is he'll have you send measurements of your slide finger to him.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: And he will custom make the slide mm-hmm. according to your finger measurements. Wow. And uh, they are magnificent slides. I mean, they sound, and I ever played a slide. I, I don't think I, he spoiled me. I told him he spoiled me. I don't want any other slide. I just don't. And uh, also, just recently, like the last few weeks, I got an endorsement deal with Moon Guitars out of New Jersey, and they're creating the Ken Tucker CNN um, he actually was funny. Was when I uh, was we talking, he said, "Man, I can't believe I'm talking to you." I said, well, "Why not?" He goes, "I just I love your music." I said, "You've heard me before." So I got I have one of your albums from. I had, he actually had a uh, he had the uh, he had the uh, looking for a brighter day. I said, "Looking for a brighter day." Those it came out in 2007. It's like, um, wow. <laughs> so um, he was like, it was really cool to know that someone I'd never met had mm-hmm. my music from way back then. And just on a side note, <laughs> talking about that. My, I have an older son in Florida named David. He's 35. He's uh, He lives in St. Pete and he's got a, a girlfriend in New York. Mm-hmm. And they're swapping music back and forth. And he, sent her one of my songs and she said and she asked him who is this and he goes that's my dad she goes no it's not said, yeah it is and she goes mom has this album wow and he goes I saw wow I said, but it took, took him a little bit of convincing to let him convince her that I was I said just call her up I'll talk <laughs> to her but it just never ceases to amaze me where music's been but you know I forget being that, you know, I've done three or four record companies, uh, labels, and I've, you know, I've been on international charts for while, off and on for the last 25 years. You just, after a while, you know, I mean, you stay, I've, I've never really moved out of this area for any extended amount of time. So I'm just a local guy here. Nobody gives a crap what right you know, I hear. I not heard him before, who cares? And so you just forget after a while how far out in your music gets out there until you get the internet. Until a fan mail from Poland or Scandinavia or a, a, a band from Columbia, South America, asks me to cover one of my songs. And I say, You can cover my songs, sure. Oh, we want you to. So I did a cover <laughs> one of my songs with the band from, uh Cygnus. They're on my label. But I didn't even know. Anything about them to want to cover one of my songs, and that's like I I inherited a lot of fans through them.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: So, yeah. You you Uh, seem to have a pretty good following in the UK, like from being on podcasts, radio shows, all like. Oh yeah,
5: majority of my my fan base is European and Asian. I mean, I uh, I was informed uh, a couple years ago Number 14 in blues on Apple Music in Japan, which I thought was really cool. I didn't know Japan had really a big blues scene, but one of my label mates from Japan, Kay Leck, is one of the most incredible blues players you'll ever hear. Tremendous player. And then uh, I was number one on Apple Music in blues in Cyprus.
3: Huh.
5: I guess you know livestock and blues. You know uh, the
3: Mediterranean loves blues music. That's what that's what they always say. The Mediterranean yeah. loves blues. Not will really. Who I
5: else does? Is who else does? Is uh, Middle Eastern people. One, uh, a local bus here, Tad Robinson. He's a blues guy. He's a uh, he's a with uh, I forget what record company he's with. He regularly goes to. Uh, he go plays in the United Arab Emirates on a regular basis.
2: Wow. They love
5: there. Huh. Yeah, Tad Robbins is a big boy. And I he just has a friend. I we just live about 45 miles apart. And uh, uh, but it, it's it's crazy that you know um you think that uh, some group of people wouldn't like blues music and it turns out hey they love it, you know, Israel has a huge number of blues harmonica players that are amazing. Tremendous blues harmonica players out of Israel.
3: That's uh, I wonder why that is. I don't know, but I've heard a couple of them that just blow my mind. Huh, blues harmonica from Israel. I'm gonna have to look into that. Uh, we were talking guitars a little bit as well before you know we started recording. You're a Fender guy. You're a big you're more of a fan of the Telecaster. What, Absolutely. What is the, what's the appeal of the telecaster for you?
5: It's just basic, um straight.
3: Two ahead pickups guitar. in a three-way switch, man. Pick two pickups in yeah. a three-way. That's all you need. I like I like the I like the pickups in the
5: telecaster. I yeah. like the bite. I'm of course I love Albert Collins I love Albert Collins' go. sound. And uh, I always want to sound like College when I play. Uh, but I like that bitiness in the lead pickup. I like the warmth of the lead pickup. Mm-hmm. I just like the simplicity and the directness of a Telecaster. I mean, there's no bells or whistles. It's just six strings, two pickups, two knobs, a switch, and there you go. And, the body, oh, of course, I like the Fender Telecaster neck. That's my favorite neck. The body style is great. Comfortable, yep.
3: and uh, I can't beat them. No, yeah. now, neck material. Are you a maple guy, or do you like rosewood? I'm. I like both. I, it just depends. I mean,
5: I've had guitars with both, and I liked them both. I've had fenders with both maple and rosewood, and uh, does either one's fine. I don't. I don't care.
3: As long as it's a Telecaster.
5: As long as Telecaster.
3: You ever play like the G and Ls?
5: Yes, I had an ASAP for a while. They
3: are. I like it. I like it. Yeah, the, yeah I
5: like the ASAP. Oh, but they're the greatest.
3: Yeah, resonate well. Uh, yeah, I love I love the pickups.
5: Almost like a P90. As a cross, mm-hmm. it's halfway between a P90 and a
3: rough. You get that high-end bitiness, really, like a 90 And that's you know, we were talking about my uh, Les Paul TV special over yeah. there. I love the P90s man and the Gibson. Sounds great.
5: I like the, I like the P90s better than PAS.
3: Yeah, I do. I, I, PAS are cool for like
5: hard heavy rock. Yep. But P90s,
3: I think they're more versatile. Way more, way more versatile. Absolutely, I agree. And yep. Gibson makes a really good P90 pickup. Like they just, I love them. Yeah. awesome uh, string what size what size strings are you using? Are you a 10 guy? You like to go heavy gauge, lighter gauge?
5: Yeah, I use elevens. Okay, a little
3: heavier. Right? All right. I'm
5: getting tendonitis. And so I'm even though I'm, I lied to I eat nine just so I don't get inflammation in my tendons. Now on my slide I'll use tens or elevens.
3: Yeah. When you have a, yeah, slide you want finger, a little I'll,
5: bit more the
3: strings up. Yep. That makes sense. You know, too light of a string on a, a slide, it gets a lot more of that—not uh, distortion, but it does doesn't just resonate in it sound a, as well. Yeah, it
5: doesn't. You no, know it does resonate. Never two, it's too
3: tinny. T- there it you go. Tinny was the word. Yes. I mean, um,
5: but I was put. In, rarely will I lead pickup on a electric with slide. I'll use either the neck or the middle mm-hmm. neck, or sometimes the but I will use the 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 uh, if because my uh slide electric is a mid-70s Chinese strat knockoff that is probably 45 bucks, but man, it is a player. It is a well, player.
3: You you said you're the master and the lover of the cheap guitar. Love it. I you know, here's the thing. I used to want to have
5: I used to want to have, a, you know, American Fender. How to have American Fender, Or someone want to have a phone or something? And uh, I think I was about 17. And I went to a music shop run by my friend, John Beeson. I've I dealt with John, since so I'm 15 years old. John is the guitar guy in the news, And his, his store is like a guitar museum. It looks like a little dumpy place on the outside going to a guitar museum. And I told him that I wanted, you know, if I could get that, American Strat, I know I can play a lot better. He said, "You know what? A uh, a good carpenter never blames his tools bad job. If you can't take one of these cheapo guitars work off the off of the mall, if it works, it doesn't have names on the headstock. If you can't if you can't make it sound good, you don't need to be playing." He said, "So don't you know all this stuff? That American Fender and gives that's all for collectors." He said, "If you're going on stage, you have a." two thousand dollar fender gibson and some drunk gets up there and starts oh, playing a yeah. while you're on break drops it which is yeah. happening to me oh. uh and it breaks you're screwed but if you have like a like a good working squire he happens to busted, you only have a couple hundred butts instead of a couple right. and
3: you can find you can find gems out of those i mean you just got to go through and play them oh. all right the ones that have a little extra good yeah. work a little extra something something to them
5: you just gotta take your time and look over the, you know, look over the hardware, look over the, the, uh, you know, structural elements, instrument, make sure it's all functioning. But even now with the, you know, with the uh, machining, uh, what's called the computer uh, machining, you're making cars Like Samick factory puts out a lot of guitars. Samic's are are guitars for like a quarter of the price of the originals are copied and they're easily all you know, there I would put them up there as far quality I mean I've played I've done tours and done records with guitars that, that uh I did I did, a, I did a I played a couple of shows with Larry Norman um in front of thousands of people one of my guitars was a traditional Les Pauls. I used to endorse traditional guitars, but they're out of business now. But I had a traditional Les Paul I used on stage. The other guys had, well, except for Brandon. Brandon Brand is crazy like me. He brought his, his uh, Frank Strat with him. But I mean, the guys had, you know, Fenders and Gibsons up there and uh, Marshalls and everything. I had my traditional Les Paul and a 112 Fender uh combo that was not a good combo but i just knew how to dial in the tone and i was a lead player
2: yeah
5: oh and i said dudes why are you drinking all this stuff up here you want to get mic in the sound system that's the size of the county you don't need all is this is not the 70s anymore but they mic us the all and just came you know it just sounded fantastic and uh I deal with a damn electro hody and um, the same amp, the little Fender 112. Uh, it was a, uh, oh, it was it a 90? I can't remember. Classic 90. It was a 60 watt Fender 112 combo, mm-hmm. and it was, uh, it was, uh, it was solid state, but I could make it sound like a tube. You just have to know how to dial
3: it in. Yeah, a lot easier to carry around too
5: yeah my fender twin weighs 100 pounds
3: yeah jesus like you know solid wood construction and plus two two you know 12 inch speakers on there right
5: not to mention the electronics that run the tubes
3: yeah it, well the tubes like the themselves the are even, yeah heavy 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 and you know what i'm 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 not about that these days of trying to give myself a hernia hauling a big heavy amp around. Well,
5: you know, it works, it works.
3: I don't need to prove to
5: anything. You know, I've already... Uh, I just, I just want to play and I want to sound good. I don't care what guitar... what says on my guitar. Um, that endorses great guitar company. That's all that's good. Yep. And, um, but... Um, I'm, I'm just, i just like I like being in the chin cheap guitar.
3: Yeah. Whatever works, whatever sounds good, whatever you like. Whatever works. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's why I buy used stuff. <laughs> all my right good there. stuff's all always used because you know what? Save a couple bucks and why not? Well, we know. Yeah, you don't have to break it in. Yeah, you don't have to break it in. A lot of people buy stuff they don't like it, sell it off. You know, way discount for we get. Brand new, like my TV, yellow. I got that from Sweetwater there in Indiana. It was a demo. Yep. Got you know, I barely paid more than Probably. a thousand bucks for it.
5: Those are beautiful. I love those. Uh, I love those uh, TVs.
3: Oh man, did I you get love the, did TV you get yellow. The, did,
5: did you get the case? The amp
3: in it? Uh, no, no, uh-uh. no. Nope. Yeah, I did. The one the only thing I've done to this guitar though, so it had the traditional wraparound bridge like smooth i put an intonated bridge i got from stu mac and it it helped a lot like it sounded good but it doesn't feel as like slinky and it definitely uh you know stabilized the tuning and the intonation quite a bit so it sounds sounds a little bit better and i could actually lower the the action a bit because with the you know the saddles on there now and man it is i love that guitar
5: well you know it's funny that the, all the guitars I loved when I had expensive ones, I had expensive ones and I had expensive ones and I had secondary ones were like cheap. I always mm-hmm. went to the cheap
3: ones. Always. Yeah. Because you're not afraid to drop them. Like, so my uh, Strat, it's an American Special, not Strat, Telecaster, American Special Telecaster. I bought that used off somebody locally for like 500 bucks or something. it's got some more wounds on it, but... Fret's neck everything electronics are fine i don't care if there's chips and scratches in the body that is, that's what makes them good the war wounds make them good that's right i put a just a new uh put uh, pick guard on there i went from black to like this reddish tortoise kind of color and it's man now it's mine oh this
5: this is my olive red right here it's uh it's the cheapo I like about it it's got it's got a it's got a, a it's all
2: solid.
5: It's yeah. not laminated. Solid. Nope. It, like, I think I paid a little bit of bucks for it.
3: That's my my Alvarez right there.
5: Yeah, I love him.
3: Yeah. They spend Beautiful. all the money like- on the top, which makes it sound. You know, that's where the sound comes from. Yeah, I'm. I'm not very good finger picker, but uh, <laughs> sounds good to me.
5: Well, I got, uh, I got with my old bass player called teen fingers.
3: <laughs> your hands are designed to use a pick.
5: Oh yeah, one, one of my friends from the school said you don't have hands, you have paws.
3: <laughs> well, good thing you have a custom slide because you probably, you know, make sure it fits your fingers.
5: Yeah, I told him what my he, he was. I send the measurements, and he sent me every slide. He's got them on, on – uh, Doc's got my uh, finger measurement there at a studio. So, if I need a slide, makes me one.
3: I have the pro- opposite problem. I have a little small hands and little tiny fingers and stuff. My wife's hand, I think, is bigger than mine. So, the, they fall right off my finger. I got to definitely size slides to make sure it fits there or, or buy one that's um, – uh, what's the term? It's on the inside of it's like um angled, just so you can tapered fit in Tapered. Thank you very much. Yes. I do have a Rich Robinson Dodario tapered slide, brass slide, oh, and cool. it's, it it works really well. Awesome. Yeah,
5: I love playing slide when I can. Um, I'm getting better. There's a lot of slide. I mean, I like uh Billy Bins and Walsh Walsh's slide playing. And oh, Joe um,
3: Walsh, amazing.
5: And I'm I just uh, I'm still working. I'm I, I sit there and just study both him and Billy and and Greg. Greg's a killer slide yeah. player. Oh, yeah. slide player.
3: The phrasing, I think, is what separates those guys a lot. Yeah. Just
5: well, oh, it's easy to want to do too much, you know. It's like playing, it's easy to wanna to overdo it.
3: Yeah. There's only and, one and, Derek Trucks. You know what I mean? There's yeah. only one Derek Trucks and like nobody else is Derek Trucks. And I ain't <laughs> <am. laughs>
2: yeah.
3: I ain't but yeah.
5: I love uh I love playing a slide and huge uh, chance I get. But uh, I still um i just like playing uh the frets too yeah, yeah. excuse, excuse the, the uh ambulance or fire truck whatever's going by here in the background
3: didn't hear it at all
5: oh you might because i live off the main drag but uh it's pretty much out there in the big town
3: Terre Haute's wild man Wild.
5: Oh, it's crazy crazy
3: I've been to Terre Haute. I used to have a job that we had a plant out in the Terre Haute area, and it was um, real close to, I think, the Columbia uh, Record House. Yeah, out there, out there, distribution and,
5: uh, Out there on Fruit Ridge, yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, you know,
5: I used to work sure. off there. I used to work for an uh, industrial supply company, like warehousing, docking, and manufacturing supply to, uh, you know, yeah. warehousing and manufacturers
3: and I've stayed at that Holiday Inn Holodome there in, in, in uh, Terre Haute a few times
5: yeah that's where they used to have the bands that's gone now
3: oh it's gone
5: they, oh man I think it was on 3rd Street and 70 uh, either it's gone or they completely built it I don't know It's yeah. this bad. was
3: like the early, early mid 2000s like uh, yeah. 2003 2005 maybe yeah they used to have bands
2: there
3: I believe it yeah there. Yeah. So, Jason, is it that time of the show? So, Ken, what we like to do at the very end usually of our interviews is uh, do a lightning round of just like random questions if you're game for it. Okay. Shoot. All right. Brian and I show up to Terre Haute, Indiana. Where should we go to grab a bite to eat? Square Donuts. Square Donuts. All right. Is there a particular donut that you recommend?
5: Square. They got square called squares. There's really square, square.
3: All right. Square donut and a black coffee sold. Absolutely. There's put wow. hair on your hair on your tongue. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite venue to play a show? In Terre Haute? Anywhere.
5: Oh, my favorite venue. Um, I like playing the slippery noodle. Um, I haven't played there for a while. Um anywhere in the world. Um, yeah I like playing it I like uh, I like playing the George in Washington State I like playing King Biscuit Blues School. I like playing uh, the Corland Music Festival uh, I really don't have a favorite they're all good for in their own way you, know? Yeah. you know, know where I like to play I just don't have one I can pick
3: what is one place that you haven't played yet that you really want to
5: oh okay um i like to play um oh what's it called um in london where the cream played and
3: uh, oh uh the royal albert, the, hall. The, the call. The royal albert hall
5: i'll say yes. royal albert hall
3: that's a great that is a great name. brian i think that's the first time we've heard royal albert hall from all these artists and it's a yeah, so. legendary place mm-hmm. And with your big fan UK fan following, I'm sure it would be a hell of a show.
5: Well, I would hope so. I get uh, a couple what, couple drunk dudes there. Hey, man, I
3: ain't playing wrong
5: hands. It's cool. It's cause it's in that
3: right wrong so. <laughs> All right, money's no object. What's one piece of gear that you would get that you don't have? Um,
5: I find want to find one of Cervélon straps. <laughs>
3: It's a good answer. It's a good, really good answer. All right, now, now off the beaten path a little bit. Um, are you a book reader? Depends on the book. Okay. Do you prefer?
5: I'm a Bible reader. Okay. I I definitely a Bible reader, and I like I like uh, books about science, books about um, science fiction. Uh, I'm I'm a nerd. Uh, but I also like books about. Uh, I like I, when it comes to music. I'm not a big reader on music, I'm a nerd, and and a, and a I'm a listener and a and I also manipulate airwaves. Like that. But uh, when it comes to reading, I like theology, philosophy, uh, science,
3: and that kind of stuff. So I'm also a nerd. So multiple choice question here: Star Wars. Star Trek, Marvel, or DC. Um,
5: I want to say Star Wars until Disney took over. Okay.
3: Although Seriously. I do like the Mandalorian series, I do like. No, Mandalorian. I do. I, I like. I do like Mandalorian. I do like some of Boba. I like the Boba Fett. Um, when the Mandalorian showed up. <laughs>
2: yeah, you
5: know, but um, after. Um, you know, but uh, I I think it's a toss up between starting and Star
3: Wars, honestly. Okay. Yeah, um, I I'm with you. Both both have their benefits. I did not really like the last uh, s- um, sequel series for Star Wars very much. With like I did
5: not. I think Mark Hamill. I know Harrison Ford did some Want to get yeah. so he didn't have to come back
3: they kind of hosed mark hamill they made him a terrible like they made luke skywalker the opposite of what he was supposed to be help his Uh, friends no matter what jump into the fray no and they didn't do it
5: yeah yeah that was uh, just horrible
3: yeah we were
5: so disappointed
3: that um yeah that second one uh the last jedi or whatever it was called and the, you know, even the beginning when they're doing like these slow-moving World War II bomber-ass spaceships, but you, yeah. like, what did, like, where in any Star Wars, you know, movie, whatever, have there ever been spaceships like this? Where did this come from? This is stupid.
5: I know. I mean, when, when the originator of the series, the one who's created it, the brain child of this man, when he left and turn it over to some people he had no no it's like what is it? he had no, they had no sweat at the end they
3: had no investment
5: emotionally
3: they were no just love like of the quality. source material that's what i felt like there was no connection to the source material they did i don't think they even i don't think they're it's like they just sure star wars right it's like they yeah, didn't I like it. it yeah i don't know uh, now i'm getting I, worked I up
5: mean, <laughs>
2: I'm <laughs> getting
5: No, it's like when it's like when bands change members, yeah, and uh, and the member that they, they change to has no real emotional or historical investment in the band, right? And right. It's
2: just, just just
5: you know, it just goes off the deep end.
3: Now it's just for money.
5: Hmm. Now, yeah, it's for let's yeah, milk this no soul,
3: no soul. It's just straight capitalism, no soul. All right, this let's stay in kind of the entertainment side. What is the best depiction of a guitar player in media? So, movie, TV show that you've seen. So, not an actual guitar player, an actor playing the role of a guitar player.
5: I did not like Ralph Macchio's version. Did
3: not. Oh, there we go. Yes. I did not Crossroads. like Crossroads. Yeah, Crossroads.
5: I didn't. Um, I I thought it was okay, but I just thought it was kind of sloppily edited and sloppily done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't like the music. No, that was like Arlen Roth and Wright Cooter playing live, mm-hmm. and and of course Steve played both at for Partridge him and Ralph Macchio. Uh, I'm trying to. Say, uh, uh, I guess the. Oh, you know what? The Partridge Family. No, oh, no. <laughs> uh, I really don't know. I mean, everyone I watch that I like are actual musicians. I mean, yeah, it's just hard to say. I mean, if the word I, I saw, oh, man, I don't know. I just, just, for lack of for lack of anyone else, Ralph Macchio and Crossroads. I I think it was kind of. I think it was kind of a half half-hearted attempt to make it look like he was actually playing.
3: Yeah, I I think to me I'm gonna throw one out there that was that was pretty decent. Billy Crudup up and almost famous with this this Water band, pretty good.
5: There was, have you ever seen the movie um, Idol Maker? No. That's about a singer though. Okay. Um, no, nah, that would be a bad uh, yeah, but if you get a chance to watch Idlemade, for it's not it's it's more like from the the sixties, seventies doo kind of thing. Um I think I've seen, I have seen I I don't know. I have to think it over and tell you later on when we're not talking. Because I'll think I'll it'll just kind of <laughs> you know it'll hit me out
3: of the blue, you know. Send me a Facebook message on there and we'll, okay, we'll figure all, right. It all right. Last question. This is a this is a big one. If you could play on stage with any artist living or dead for one night, who are you choosing? Um that gosh, that's
5: another one where I have so many answers. to come. <laughs> You're not being fair to me, man. <laughs> um, gotta
3: choose one. Gotta choose one. Well,
5: I tell you who, um only because he's my very early inspiration. I mean, like, when I was from the age of 12, because uh, I already played with my hero on stage. So Who was that? I, I played with Larry. I played with Larry Norman for four years. He was here. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. Someone else, Paul McCartney. Oh. Is there because a... Because he was... An... Go ahead. Sorry. He, he just inspired me from, ways from, from when I was so young. Before,
3: and, you said um, you're a massive Beatles fan, so you're you more Beatles than the Stones, even though you're a blues guy.
5: I I tell you why I like the Beatles better than the Stones. Um, I think, I, and I love the Stones. I, I, they stayed pretty true to the blues roots up until like um, they got they they did some weird turns, and they but they're still going, I guess. But mm-hmm. uh, I think the Beatles. Were a big influence on my songwriting, you know, they gave me that they're especially when they started experimenting from uh from uh rubber, soul, and revolver on, yeah. The uh, where they started experimenting with sounds, trying to tracking the one of early multi tracking stuff, and uh, the songwriting was extremely. Just, just uh, and I mean, very intelligent. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, you listen to a Beatles song, and think it's not easy to play until you try to play it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, they, they had weird time changes. Yep. Uh, weird like chords. happiness is a warm gun. Happiness is a warm gun. Goes through at least one time uh, time signature change, maybe yep. two. I think one of the time signatures was like five four or seven eight or something. Um, but just because of the songwriting and the influence they had on me from the like the age of 12 until I started really getting into blues, like 14. yeah. Now, if to pick a blues player to play with it, uh, I'd probably like Howlin' uh, Wolf or Hound Dog Taylor or, uh, of course, B.B. King. You know, who wouldn't want to play on B.B. King? Probably. I wanted to... Or Freddie King. One of my heroes, Freddie King. Right? The Texas Cannonball. And, um, but when it comes to anybody, just because of the, like I said, it all goes back to my earliest influence, Paul McCartney.
3: Good. That's a great, great choice. Is there a particular song that you would absolutely have to play with them? I
5: tell you, the song that really I just keep going back to when I just want to hear a great orchestration is uh, Golden Slumbers, side, uh, side B of. Uh, I wrote the, the the medley. Really? Yeah, it's just one of the most basically a bunch of songs that were that they just kind of started but never finished, and yeah. so they just they, finished, they just crammed them all together in one big orchestral movement. It was just a
3: stroke of a genius,
5: and um, it just uh, it's one of the most amazing pieces of music I've ever listened to.
3: I'm going to have to go back and listen to that again because I don't, I can't recall anything off the top of my head about it.
5: What's well, Mean Mr. Must and uh, uh, Paul Athene Pam and Golden Slumbers, of course, and In the End. And in the end, I love you. I know that be, one. And then that big, triumphant ending on it,
3: with that beautiful
5: cartoon that George Harris so skillfully played. That I had to learn. It took me a long time to learn it. It sounds so easy until you try to play it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's what I'm talking about. And Larry Norman was the same way, because Larry Norman was his first album under the, uh, uh, George uh, Martin was part of the production team for Larry Norman's first albums. And so he used to go for, he recorded in London. The same studio, the Beatles were in. Paul McCartney came by and out with them a couple times. So, so you can hear George Martin's handiwork in both the early Larry Norman, especially the trilogy albums of Larry Norman, like "In Another Land," "So Long Ago," "The Garden," and "Only Visiting This Planet." And the later Beatle albums, they all have the same tonal quality because George Martin integral part of, both of
3: them. Yeah. That is a great answer i don't think anybody brian is going to top that one i don't think so nope. did you want not really i mean okay unless, unless, unless <laughs> there's something <laughs> i mean unless there's something you want to play us out with if you want to play us out with the song Ken, I, like, you absolutely wait, I'll play, can I'll play, I'll play a song but, but, back. but, but before <laughs> you play us out let us know where we go to find out more about your music, your tour schedule, buy your stuff. Where do we go? You can find my uh, <laughs> my, mer- sorry, sorry, my
5: merchandise and my music on countzerorecords.com. You can also get the uh, Tucker Tucker's signature slide off of um, rockymountainslides.com and then uh, moonguitars.com uh my guitar is still in the works, so I don't have my stuff up there yet, but that's where it's gonna be. But yeah, it's count You can find my you can find my merchandise. I got all everything from coffee cups to bikinis. You know, it's crazy. <laughs> and and Facebook page and you got Facebook, uh, Instagram, Facebook page, what do you got? Yeah, Facebook.com slash Kentucker Blues. And then uh, you can find me on uh on uh youtube stormy blue uh youtube.com slash stormy blue or stormy underscore blue
0: just look up stormy blue on
5: uh, youtube you'll find it that's that's uh and uh, um you know it's basically me just documenting what i do on a regular basis as a family and a blues musician recording artist and talks about my documentary and so on so very cool
4: well, thank you for having me guys thanks ken tucker for joining us uh it was uh, good to talk to him i like we were saying in the intro i can't remember how i came across him but i'm glad i did uh he's got a lot of a lot of experience and a lot of stuff to talk about and he's got you know you know last record's acoustic the one before that's more electric and uh i just uh, it was cool to you know you know, you don't always know how something's going to go. I mean, we know it's going to go good, but when you you know, we never talk to an artist, and you're not sure. You know what what's you know what we're going to talk about. It was very good.
3: And he, you know, what I really liked about he was able to elaborate a lot on his career at the beginning and stuff, and we didn't have to prod him a lot. And I really appreciate when guests can kind of tell yeah. a complete story like that. If you ever run across Ken, take him to uh, Hardee's for milkshakes.
4: Yeah, and you hang out with him and Greg Martin. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that was cool to find that out too. That those guys are friends. You know, not not surprising to me,
3: but not uh, not surprising at all. But uh, like I said in the intro, I'm I'm trying to check out some more of his music to be familiar with the catalog. But it was a good dude, and it was a great talk to him.
4: All right, now you guys go check out some music by Ken Tucker. Until then, always remember: Southern rock is irreverent, blues is blood. We'll see you next time.
1: What you talking about, baby? What's got into your head? What you talking about, woman? Can't believe what you said. All your ranting and raving over something that you heard. Tell me why you've been listening To that little guy stepping bird I ain't going nowhere I ain't never lived before But I'm starting to wonder Cause I can't take this much more Been with you, never been stepping out. You should stop listening to your friends because they don't know what they're talking about. You know, I love you, baby, but if you choose your friends, choose your fears Go ahead, out that front door. Cause I don't need that mess around here. I ain't going nowhere. I ain't never lived before. But I'm starting to wonder. Cause I can't take this much more. Can't take this much more.